to the Normal Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Whipple. If you're a regular listener, you're used to hearing labor stories from the moms who've lived them. But today's episode is a bit of a departure. My guest today is Heidi Duncan, owner of Expecting New Life. Heidi is a doula in the greater Nashville area and instructs for evidence-based birth and spinning babies. She has over 20 years of birth work and I'm happy to say was my doula for the birth of my daughter. If you're curious about what a doula is, why you might want one, or are simply looking for some insight into the world of birth, then this is a great episode for you. As a side note, Heidi is a professional, so I'll include a link to her information in the Normal Birth Podcast Instagram bio. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thanks for coming on and doing this with me. Yeah, happy to. I'm so glad that you've been able to take off with it. Um, yeah. Because uh, you had shared the inspiration, but I didn't know if you'd actually gotten it off the ground. Yeah. No. Um. Your your help was invaluable. Getting getting the interview questions together. Um, mm-hmm. I I really appreciate that. Do you find that people are responding? well with that with those prompts yeah I do um I think a lot of people once they get started just roll with it but everybody stalls at some point (laughs) yeah (laughs) I get so many people coming in going oh what even what am I even gonna say and I'm like don't worry I got you (laughs) got this whole thing we'll just take care of it I have the same question what am I (laughs) what am I gonna say (laughs) well I want to ask you a little bit about um, so, so you're a doula. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that? Great question. Um, so my introduction to all things birth came via, um, being in a serious relationship in my mid twenties where I thought this might be, you know, my future with this person. And, um, this was part of it. This is the primary part of it. Um, and he, he had friends who were having home births with midwives and he thought that was the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, on the other hand, had been the baby of the family. I was kind of in a gap in my family, just extended family where there weren't, I wasn't around pregnant people. I wasn't around babies. And so like, I had nothing. Yeah. <laughs> On, you know, as far as this whole idea. So I was like, you know, I was thinking like, okay, well, if I, if this is going to be my future husband, then he's probably going to expect this of me. So I should at least know something about it. And that started me on um, kind of an exploration path. And um, my first, first book I bought was um, Ina May's Spiritual Midwifery, which I got at our local Whole Foods Whole Food store, which was Whole Foods before Whole Foods was cool. It was this tiny little corner store in New Orleans crammed to the brim with all kinds of amazing, um, healthy stuff and uh, got it home and started flipping through it. And if you've ever, have you ever seen Spiritual Midwifery? Yes, I've read it. Okay. So it, it's, it's pretty intense as an yes. introductory book. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. And I, I actually returned it. I was like, this is, this is too much. And then I went to like Barnes and Noble and kind of went through their, you know, uh, pregnancy, you know, section and found a couple of books. I found um, a good birth, a safe birth. Um, and I think probably, I probably found the birth partner, one of those, you know, mm. at the time. And started flipping through and more than anything learned that there were so many options out there that my friends who were already married and having babies at the time, just, they were, it was, you know, get your epidural in the parking lot and, you know, hope you don't end up with a C-section because once a C-section, always a C-section, right? Um, That was kind of, you know, the way things were. And so learning that there were all these other options out there, not just the home birth midwifery that my, um, potential husbands, uh, you know, friends were doing, but just a lot of stuff that nobody was talking about. And so that actually got me on the path towards really pursuing midwifery. That's where I started. Um, I didn't even know what a doula was when (laughs) I was beginning on this particular path. And so I dug deep into learning about what is it 
take to become a midwife or the different pathways. And this was before we had really much as in the way of internet, you know, uh, resources. And so it was like, you know, mail order request for printed information through the old, you know, mothering magazines with the little index card in the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I found, I was going through some stuff in storage and I like find like my binder from 1997, where I have still all the different information on the different midwifery training programs and things like That's that. Cool. Yeah. So, um, and dug deep into that and was, I mean, the, the passion for being involved with birth work was there just, you know, just so quickly. And then it was really, as I started to think about like, okay, um, at the, time I knew like I didn't really I wasn't really interested in working as a, a nurse mm-hmm. than a midwife that wasn't my heart that wasn't my path um and so it's like well if I'm going to be doing birth it'll be home birth more direct which we didn't have the licensure and de- designations that we have now um yeah. still you know things have ex- got, are a lot more um refined as far as like licensing and training and stuff for um, home birth midwifery, which is great. But I knew that would like, I, I knew that the hospital wasn't where I was wanting to be. Yeah. Um, if I went midwifery. And so I, then I had to wrestle with like, at the time I was looking at possibly moving to a different state and possibly even moving to a different country um, with this potential relationship and realizing that, you know, if I did, if I pursued becoming a midwife and then I moved to a different state or a different country, I'm, it might be illegal to do what I was to do and having to really pray about and assess like, where's my passion. And really my passion I found was really in the education. It was wanting people to know they had these options. Like I didn't need to be the one delivering the option. Like I didn't need to be the midwife doing the prenatal care and catching the babies and things like that really wasn't where my fire was. My fire was that people need to know, you know, they need to know choices. They need to know they have these options and, you know, and also along with that, to kind of dispel myths, because I, as I was learning, I was finding out all these things that I was hearing people tell their stories. And I'm like, I wasn't there, but I'm thinking this, you know, I know that that didn't happen the way you're describing it, because that drug doesn't do that. That procedure's not for that. Your body doesn't work that way. Yeah. But nobody took the time to explain it to you, mm-hmm. you know, or the silly things like don't raise your hands over your head while you're pregnant because you'll strangle your baby. <laughs> No, you might pull on your round ligaments, but you know, never heard that one. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. It used to be pretty pervasive. So, um, so that was where my shift happened to say, okay, I'm going to go into the childbirth education field. Then I can educate people no matter where I am. Mm-hmm. And I can reach more people with the potential of having a midwife in many other things via childbirth education. And so as I, I set everything up to do my training programs with that, I was already enrolled, uh, went through um, the International Childbirth Education Association, um, ICEA, for my childbirth educator training. And along the way, you had to do things like go and observe some births and blah, 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 and do these yeah. things. And as I was trying to make that happen, you know, wherever I call it, like, well, you know, you can't just come and observe births. I mean, you, yeah. can, you can volunteer as a doula and, you know, maybe get come in that way. And I was like, okay, what, what's a doula? What does it take to be a doula? Yeah. And it ended up where it was like killing two birds with one stone. So when I was like, okay, well, these, a lot of these things overlap training wise. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of my students might want me to be their doula. So, okay. And didn't really think a whole lot of it at the time. And at this point I had never attended a birth, mm-hmm. mind you. Um, so okay. I then somewhere along the way in there, I think it was 98 or 99, one of my close friends was having her fourth birth and which would be her second vaginal birth after two C-sections. Okay. And I had encouraged her towards her first VBAC, um, which, but I wasn't there for, with her for it. And so she invited me to be there just to be there to observe, not, not just as a friend, not as a doula or anything like that. And uh, many many uh, aha moments, learning moments in that experience of realizing like, yeah, Yeah. okay, there's something in me that connects with this. And then watching her push her baby out Mm -hmm. after many other things, you know, through her labor, but just like sitting at the foot of the bed behind her doctor 
and taking all this in, which is quite something to see mm-hmm. if you haven't witnessed the birth <laughs> and just having the clearest day knowing I belong here. Uh. And yeah, it was, <laughs> it was just as profound then uh, today. It's just as profound today as it was then. And very, very distinct to like, I, I belong in this space yeah. and that hasn't waned. I mean, I've gotten discouraged a lot for sure, you know, and, and doubted myself and gotten discouraged with the system and things like that. But as far as like actually being in that space, being with women to support them, it's really the marriage of both, you know, kind of the, the draw of midwifery to bring in this different approach to care uh, and yet not having the burden of that responsibility of being Mm -hmm. the healthcare provider, not being responsible to keep this person and their baby safe and alive, you know, like that's not my shoulders. Um, but you have to have a certain fire, you know, and passion in you to take that on. It's yeah. a very serious component. Um, but yet I wasn't just teaching the classes and sending my students off to go, go have a good birth, which I do occasionally still now, but most yeah. very often I'm, I'm doula and childbirth educator. So I get to like, I get to be both. I get to teach and then I get to help people use what they learned and I get to be a part of that uh, process. And so it kind of brings that midwifery aspect of, of engagement, involvement with the process, as well as that educator piece, um, really into a unique combination. And I mean, I'm, I am, I am my own style of doula. So like, not all doulas are like me that are like super into education and that kind of thing. Um, I'm not, unique in that but it's just not that it's not necessarily that all all doulas are not necessarily focusing in the same way yeah not all doulas are doing that um and so that just happens to be my particular thing like I'm all about learning all the things and sharing all the information <laughs> uh, I I really I think that was one of the things I appreciated most about working with you um I learned so much and it wasn't just because you were a childbirth educator, you were working with spinning babies. Um, are, mm-hmm. are you an instructor with them? Is that, is that what that's called? Yeah. So now I'm, um, I am a spinning baby certified parent educator. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a wealth of information there definitely. And I, I really appreciated like the statistical aspects of it. Cause it's a huge thing. You know, you get into the, the, home birth community and the doula community Mm -hmm. and out of the hospital and the information starts to kind of come in from a bunch of different places and it's difficult to to trust okay well this is your experience but Mm -hmm. what what is the truth of the matter um and that's where my evidence-based birth instructor part of things really you know that i lean into that's where we have all the statistics and the research and the the data you know um yeah I just I learned so much in that um and then you get into the delivery (laughs) and I don't know if this is the same for everybody I'm sure it's not but my labor personally was so fast and so hard that it was like okay I know I need counter pressure I know Heidi is there I know my husband is there I know you know what the staff is doing kind of Mm -hmm. Um, but I was completely out of it. Like if you asked me what pressure points I needed to push to do certain right. things, I would have been yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you were, you were so valuable in that situation. Um, I know my husband, we got done and he was like, Heidi is worth her weight in gold. That was such <laughs> a great thing. But when we first started down the path of, of, you know, looking at doulas, I told him, I said, you know, I want to hire a doula. I want to go unmedicated. And I know I want Mm -hmm. tons of preparation going into this. And he said, I don't know what that is. What is that? And, you know, he knows that I I have a passion for labor stories and childbirth and have done quite a bit of on it and studying. And he he was like, you know, I just trust that you know what you're doing. So whatever that is, if that makes you more comfortable, sure. Um, but he had no idea what you were doing. <laughs> um, and I know that first, that first zoom meeting, um, we, 
we talked to you during the pandemic. So mm-hmm. we get on and I found out that you guys knew each other professionally. Right. <laughs> And you and I had never met. So I think that instantly uh, made him more comfortable in that situation. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, wait, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, but I mean, I'm trying to think. The first I ever heard of doulas was a very good friend of mine was in nursing school and she had done um, a labor and de- delivery rotation that wasn't where she wound up in, but she was telling me a lot of stories from being in there and different things about like, well, I just walked the doctor or watched the doctor come in and cut somebody without mm-hmm. ever even discussing an episiotomy. And he said, well, I knew she was going to tear. And then, you know, we got into discussing, well, what does that mean if she tears, you know, what, what is the potential for damage there and healing? Um, and that was the first I had ever heard of, wait a second, we have choices in this. Um, Mm -hmm. I had no idea. And then she told me that she had studied to be a doula for a while. Um, and I was like, I don't even know what that is. What is that? (laughs) Um, And then I went kind of down a similar path as you. I started, um, I bought Spiritual Midwifery. I read through it. Mm -hmm. um, And I was like, I never even imagined that birth could look like this. But it makes so much sense. Women in these communities embrace it in a different way. And I don't think that that would be continuing if they weren't getting something more out of it than I think a lot of other women know is available. So I was like, I, I really want to try that. Yeah. Um, which is when, when we brought you into the picture and I thought that was fantastic. Um, I'm just curious to know, you know, if somebody is looking at their home birth options or their hospital options and they're saying, well, what is a doula? What would you mm-hmm. say bringing into that scenario? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, the doula's role is unique. Um, and I think it's important because it, it's, I, th- I think we have an easier time being able to accept that in hospital birth, for example, we have um, obstetricians and we have certified nurse midwives and we have nurses and we can accept that their roles are complementary, but not, they don't, they do different tasks. Mm-hmm. And yes, there might be some spaces of overlap there, but really, you know, they each of them has their own focus of what they're there to do. Mm-hmm. And we accept that pretty easily. And then from the family side, sometimes the idea, you know, is like, well, why do I need a doula? I have a husband or, you know, I have my mom's going to be there or my sister who's had five kids is going to be there. And what would I need a doula for? Um, And in the hospital, you know, or even a home birth, actually, surprisingly, actually get pushback sometime about home birth. And why would I need a doula? Because, you know, my midwife is saying, well, she's going to be there and her midwife assistant is going to be there. And why would I need a doula? But the doula is none of those things. Our role is to come alongside the family and it typically begins prenatally where we're building relationship, we're building connection. um, And I'll come back to a little more of detail that, but we're present through the pregnancy. We're present usually in communication in from the start of labor, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then sometimes joining a family physically in person at home before they even go to their birthplace or before if they're having a home birth long before their midwife arrives, being with them by their side, working with them through through the contractions, helping them know what to do with themselves, going to their birthplace, being by their side, not leaving them, not going out to chart, not going out to do this, that, or the other. We're there just for that birthing person and whoever their team is, their family. And something, you know, with that, we get to observe birth in a way that no hospital OBGYN does. Yeah. Not even hospital CNMs, because if you, if you are in labor in the hospital from the early part of labor, typically in a hospital setting or even a birth center setting, it's usually because you're having interventions. Yeah. And so witnessing spontaneous labor unfolding from the get-go 
unhindered is something that not most other providers in this, you know, this part of things actually ever do or often do. They yeah. definitely don't often do it. And so we have a site into this as doulas that, you know, other team members don't have. And we're sometimes reviewed, you know, reviewed as kind of like at the bottom of the totem pole, because mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to authority and power in the medical system, healthcare system, we do not have anything. Um, but relationally, we're probably more trusted and known to this family than anybody else. Yeah. Because the person they saw for their healthcare, that midwife or OB might not be the one who's on shift. Mm-hmm. They may have met this person once and spent 45 minutes, t- some total, the whole pregnancy. Whereas we've spent, gosh, how many hours did I spend with you guys? Oh, you know? I lost count. <laughs> it was right, a lot. You know? <laughs> I spent a lot of time with you guys. Um, and then the nurse, that change, you, you have no prediction of that. J- that changes shift by shift by shift. Um, and probably the more intimate relationship is in a home birth setting, you know, where you truly are, you know, working with one or two midwives typically, but even home birth, you know, sometimes has multiple midwives in a group mm-hmm. and their assistants are usually, you don't get to choose that. And they've got multiple ones that they're coming from. So even that has some randomness to it versus this is who I've chosen. Um, you know, and yes, there's always possible you could end up with the doula's backup doula, which sometimes happen, but yeah. not, you know, and my, my setup doesn't happen often at all. So that ch- choosing that, that consistency, that relationship, that, com- on, that ongoing communication and tuning into what's going on physically, mentally, emotionally with this birthing person, um, it's just a different place to be. It's a different role you know, to be in and how we're able to support. And so, um, yeah, we're suggesting comfort measures and positions and explaining labor and all this different stuff, you know, um, but it's being witnessed, being a part of things, um, being able to be like, whatever you need me to do for you, I'm yeah. here to do it. I'm here to make suggestions and to, you know, to anticipate things. And, you know, when it comes down to it, Yes, if there's not a whole lot else of other things going on, mm-hmm. sure, your nurse, your midwife, your OB, your home birth midwife, your home birth midwife's assistant, technically, yeah, there. if there's gaps in stuff going on, yeah, they can step up and do counter pressure, let's say, yeah. or whatever comfort thing that you need. But when it comes to their actual technical skill set being needed, mm-hmm when you need your nurse to be your nurse and you need your OB to be your OB and you need your midwife at home to be at, you know, the, your midwife and your midwife's assistant to assist the midwife to do her job. Guess what? They can't be a doula too. Yeah. They can't be toweling off your forehead and yeah. Any other comfort measures. <laughs> they can't be running around in your labor room, getting mm-hmm. everything in place while your husband is trying to freak out how to help you when you're <laughs> laboring in the tub. <laughs> doesn't know because she's like swirling around (laughs) you know so it's a it it's a unique role yeah it's and I I have to remind myself of that Mm -hmm. you know that I do something that's I I bring in a different skill set yeah and I I have a conversation and mind you I'm I also am building on that like the whole you know, childbirth educator, birth doula, spinning baby certified parent educator, learning about birth biomechanics and how do babies move on the inside during labor and all these things. And something that even just very recently realizing that nursing training, midwi- even a lot of midwifery training that probably has more of it than any place else, but still not as a focus, obstetric training, they're not learning about that. Yeah it's not part of their training. They're not there. And like, I'm coming into the room saying, Hmm, what position is this baby in? Is their chin tucked to their chest? Can we help them to turn? Can we move mom in such a way that's going to make space for baby to be able to move more easily and for it to be more comfortable for mom. Now there are exceptions, but the vast majority of your healthcare team is not even thinking about it. Well, can you give me an example of, yeah. Can you give me an example of, of what they are thinking about? Because I think a lot of people come into birth assuming that that is what a midwife does or that is what, mm-hmm. you know, your gynecologist is, is in there for. Um, they are thinking about 
is baby is baby healthy and well mm -hmm. are they handling this labor process without any undue stress is the mom is she healthy and well you know are her vitals checking out is you know is her bleeding under control is she you know um all is she progressing the way we anticipated progressing are these are are these contractions coming close enough and frequent enough to bring the anticipated change is that change happening if that change is not happening why is that and what can we do and typically what can we do is we can add more force to this effort we can help those contractions be stronger by doing things and you know but it's not hmm is babies is baby looking the wrong, you know, look, not the wrong way. Is baby looking in a direction that the shape of their head fitting into the pelvis is less than ideal? And can we, oh, can we do some things with mom to kind of move her around and get that baby to, to tuck their chin and turn their head and be able to then fit better and progress better, which will then in turn make the contractions work better and progress and, you know, the pain level come down and blah, blah, blah. You know, like it's a, a lot of providers, it's either the baby's going to fit or they're not going to fit. Yeah. And if we have strong contractions, then that's going to make the baby fit. And, and that's a very simplified statement, mind you, don't come at me, but of course, um, yeah. you know, like, but that's the, the whole concept of, of, you know, we can really much more specifically try to do things to help this work better together to, for mom and baby to dance together yeah. is something that's not part of their training. Yeah. So experience wise, how many births would you say you've attended? Um, I have record of having attended. Oh, I don't think I'm right at like 371 births. Okay. And that's, that's births I've attended. Um, my tally before I moved from new Orleans to the greater Nashville area I had a rough tally of about 75 there may have been more but that's for sure for sure and then since I've been in Tennessee just under 300 that I've attended since yeah, since we moved here in 2011 so that's and I don't bit. count my up I don't count if like baby comes before I get there you know um that kind of thing so I've been present yeah. or had clients more than more clients than that but um yeah. So, and still learning new things all the time. Oh, I bet. So I'm, I'm going to ask you a question okay. and I anticipate that there is not an answer. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is an average birth for you? Gosh. Yeah. That, that is a hard one to answer. Um, it, because we it, it, a big um, fil filter for that mm -hmm. spontaneous labor or induced labor. Yeah, you know, like that vastly changes what that looks like. Okay, you know, and you know, spontaneous labor versus induced labor with it being like is you know particularly spontaneous labor is this your first. Mm -hmm. vaginal birth or is this your second or third or fourth or fifth yeah because that looks very different too <laughs> <laughs> different so um yeah go ahead sorry first labors are all first labors for the most part are just they're long yeah takes a day or two inductions especially takes a couple of days um I have had certainly plenty of exceptions to the spontaneous labor. First time moms, I've had quite a few that went very fast, um, much to everyone's delight and surprise. Um, second labors is much, you know, I, I pretty consistently second labors and beyond, you know, we're talking like, you know, less than a day by far. If we even get, even if, if we even get six to 12 hours worth of labor, you know, they tend to go much more quickly. Um, but then, you know, there's a lot of factors that influence all these things. Yeah. Well, you being a doula, do you have a higher percentage of home births or hospital births or does it just kind of depend? For me, um, the vast majority of my clients are birthing in hospitals. Okay. Um, um, 
I don't have a sp- an actual stat. It's not something that I track numerically, mm-hmm. but um, if I were to take a, a guess, I'd say, you know, 85, 90% are in hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, of the remaining percentage, probably more are birthing, um, who are having community births are birthing and a freestanding birth center. So we have, you know, we have one um, in Nashville, um, the Vanderbilt Birth Center now, formerly Baby and Company, uh, and only a small percentage. I mean, maybe maybe five percent of my clients are home births. I would love to do more home births. It just people are very often paying out of pocket for yeah. a midwife, and they don't always um, hire a doula along with that. And part of that is because some midwives are saying like, well, we have our own team and we'll take care of you and you don't, you don't need to bring in anybody from the outside, um, which mm, is not always, you know, the best case scenario. Yeah. Um, but I have other midwives who absolutely are like, get a doula, please get a doula. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'd love to do more home births. I just don't get to do very often. I do have a couple coming up in the next few weeks. Um, so I'm excited about that. That's great. Are you, I, I know when we scheduled this, you said that you have a birth this week. Has that one happened yet? Are you waiting for a phone call? No, it no. has not happened yet. And I'm anticipating if, if it does not happen in the next 48 hours, um, it will be an induction. Yeah. So, well, Hopefully yeah. that will work out for the best. I hope so. <laughs> so with so many hospital births, what would you say would be some good things moms want to look for when, if they have any kind of choices about where they're going to deliver? Yeah. Um, you know, when I first make any contact with someone who is looking at birth classes or doula support or whatever, um, some of the first questions I'm asking is, you know, where are you giving, what do you want from your birth? What are your goals at this point? If you're, if you're reaching out to have a doula or take a birth class, then that tells me you're wanting to, you know, you're probably leaning into having some options. Um, So, you know, where, where are you going? Who is your care team? And, you know, how, have you really asked some kind of more specific questions to find out, are they on the same page with you? Um, And so, and it can be hard to, because you don't know what you don't know. And you might not realize you have to ask some very, you know, more specific kind of questions to really feel out whether a provider truly is on the same page with you or the birthplace that you're going to. Do they have options? Um, You know, like, well, I, you know, want to be able to get up and move around. And um, I'd like to use water, you know, for comfort, you know, do you have showers or tubs accessible? And most every hospital has a shower in every labor room, but whether or not you can use them is a thing. Yeah. Because if, if a hospital requires continuous monitoring of your baby's heart rate and your contractions during labor, but they don't accommodate you with waterproof wireless monitors, then the fact that they have a shower or even a tub doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So being able to say, even at this very simplest level, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking at wanting to have a natural birth and I'm looking at hiring, hiring a birth doula. How do you feel about birth doulas? Do you work with birth doulas often? Yeah. The reaction to that question is going to tell you a lot. Okay. Now, yeah, granted, you know, there's a lot of doulas out there in the world and not, you know, you can have, you know, people can have bad experiences with doulas and maybe have a bad taste. But if they're having enough clients who are pursuing, um, you know, low energy and more natural birth, they're probably going to encounter doulas more frequently Mm -hmm. and have a kind of get a feel for a balanced view of what doula, good doula support can look like. Yeah. Um, but even without, even if you're like, I'm not planning to hire a doula. So like, I, I want to have a natural birth and have as little medical intervention as possible. And uh, would like to give birth without an epidural. Maybe I'm thinking about that. How can you, you know, how would you help me? And, you know, in ways that are different than what your 
people who are coming in wanting to get an epidural right away? What would that look like? How would that look different for me versus anybody else? And like, what about what percentage of your clients give birth naturally without an epidural? Yeah. What does that, what does that look like? And asking more open-ended questions versus, well, you know, it, will you support me in doing X, Y, Z? Oh yeah, sure. Whatever you want. You know, yeah. If you want to, if, if you want to have a natural birth, I mean, whatever, you know, like <laughs> we'll see yeah. about that. Um, and so being able to, you know, even on the simplest level, you know, what does that look like mm-hmm. in, with your patients? Um, how, how did, you know, how might their care be different than somebody who comes in and is getting an epidural or getting induced or whatever. Um, and getting started from there. And like, what tools does this birthplace, this hospital or birth center, whatever, what, what things do they offer to help me have, you know, a more active birth experience? Do they have birth balls? Do they have um, squat bar attachments for the bed? Do they encourage people to be up and out of the bed, moving around, you know, throughout labor, changing positions frequently? Um, You know, do they practice intermittent monitoring of babies so that you are disconnected from all the stuff? Um, you know, and not being strapped down, um, those kind of things give insight. Now, this is where doulas and childbirth educators can be a real asset to to birthing families is because we work in the community on a regular basis. And so we know providers and we know the birthplaces and we might not know everybody. Goodness, there's so many people out there. But we know the general ones that people are going to saying, yeah, if you go with this group, you're, you're going to have really great support for, you know, uh, lots of choices and things like that versus the ones that give a lot of resistance or do what we call the bait and switch where they'll say, yeah, 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 whatever you want. And you get to, you know, 38 weeks. It's like, well, you know, we need to just go ahead and schedule your induction now. Yeah. Um, and so we can be guides to a lot of that and insight um, and to be able to ask you know, more specific questions mm-hmm. um, in, you know, where we're talking from, you know, in the middle Tennessee area, I mean, there are easily eight or 10 different places you could go to give birth within mm-hmm. an hour, hour and a half radius. Yeah. And one of them is different, you know, and has different kind of pros and cons. And there's, the, you know, there's places that have genuine real support for, um, choices for birth. And there's others that have a facade of having choices for birth Yeah, and really great marketing, but not actual, you know, follow through. And, um, so the people who are on the ground going to births, going to different places, you know, that's a, that's um, going to be a real helpful tool for families to kind of navigate that. So even if you're not planning to hire a birth doula or take a childbirth class, it can be worth it to reach out to one of those professionals to say, Hey, can I, can I pay you for half an hour of your time to do a consult to just kind of help me understand what's out there for me? Yeah. That's great advice. You know, to say, can I pick your brain for half an hour or an hour and compensate you for that? Cause it is valuable knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that, that can be a huge asset. And so many times I interview with people who are considering hiring me for my services. And as a, you know, as a freebie, you know, it's, you're getting a lot, lot, even in that first consult. And sometimes, you know, they walk away from our interview saying, yep, I'm about to go, ch- I'm going to go change my birthplace and care provider based on yeah. what you've told me. Cause I can see that what I want is not what they're selling at the place I'm going to. Hmm. And that, that means so much because there's been, research done that shows like not just when it comes to birth care um in this area but just across the u.s your choice of birthplace and care provider dictates your health outcomes for you and your baby more than your actual individual health of you and your baby yeah yeah that (laughs) I mean, knowing a lot about the intricacies of, you know, how interventions affect maternal health and baby health, um, that makes a lot of sense. And it's it's weird to me that a lot of people go into that uninformed and they just kind of assume, oh, you know, you go in, if you get an epidural, great, you know, and if this happens, then great. Um, but the thing that I hear most is, is moms coming out of these, you know, standard hospital births going, 
well, you know, I wasn't allowed to get up and walk around, but that's, that's not allowed. And I wasn't allowed to eat and drink and that's not allowed. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's important to know that like, okay, well, it, it may or may not be allowed in this setting, but if that's important to you, there are ways you can educate yourself and places you can go that will facilitate that. Yeah. yeah. And it's the thing of understanding why. Yeah. You're not allowed out of bed. Well, why? Yeah. Being able to understand why things might be allowed or not allowed and understanding that that's, po- that's hospital policy, that you still have choices yeah you know and but you don't want to set yourself up for going into battle to get the things that you want if you don't have to now there's definitely situations where people do not have a lot of options of you know as far as where to go things like that we're blessed we have this really uh, quite a lot to choose from in this area but there are you know places where there's just one hospital or two hospitals and the providers aren't great and you're having to really work with what you've got. And that's all the more reason to be informed of what does the evidence say is best practice. Yeah. Not just what is this hospital's routine and protocol. Um, and that you have a say. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, based um, on, based on that you know, conversation with you when I was, you know, d- having our consult, I changed my gynecologist. I switched practices Mm -hmm. because the practice that I was going to, I was, I had just moved. We had, we had started new, um, a new doctor and I hadn't actually gone in to see them yet when I found out I was pregnant and come to find out they would not deliver in the hospital that I wanted to deliver in. Um, Mm -hmm. So I actually just up and switched OBs to a completely different practice and the hospital the nearest one is 10 minutes from my house and Mm -hmm. I opted to take a 45 minute drive to a different facility that Mm -hmm. made me feel more comfortable. But I think the important thing to remember there is it's what makes the mom feel more comfortable. For a lot of women that may not be (laughs) the decision that I made for myself. Um, I know I have a lot of friends and and we'll talk about labor and delivery and they'll say, you know, what do I need to do? What, what do I want to know? And I'll say, well, what's important to you? So yeah. On that question, what would, do you ever have that conversation with other people? Yeah. Um, So what is important to you? What are your goals? What are you desiring? Mm -hmm. And does does your chosen care care team and birthplace line up with that yeah. and i think it's important to kind of tag on to that it's because it's not that there is a right way or wrong way to do birth yeah but it's about being informed that you have you do have choices mm-hmm. and you do have options and that what you choose affects your outcome and um and so being able to be sure that the things that you're desiring as your priorities of, um, you know, that, that matters. And so like I've had clients who proximity to their birth facility was a real concern because maybe this was their third or fourth birth and they've had very rapid, like very, very rapid births Yeah. and traveling an extra 45 minutes to an hour wasn't really an option so the plan has to be how can we make the best of this place that we're going to and you know work with the known limitations you know um that might be there and then but then the other side of that is the common misconception with first labors of that oh well you know this is going to just this is going to go so fast i'm gonna have my baby in the car but realizing like no you have you have like a full day you probably have you know by the time you think you might need to go to the hospital you probably could be home another 12 hours and still not have your baby at home you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um but being able to to say that, that you know figure out what you want find out what that you have you do have choices out there um and then figure out what matches with what you feel confident about and your values and stuff. Um, and realize, but put yourself as in charge of your care mm-hmm. and that the other people on the care team are there to serve your needs in with their individual expertise. Um, 
but it's still up to you to say, yes, I want that. No, I don't want that. I need more information on that. Mm-hmm. Help me understand why you're recommending this or not recommending that. And, you know, these are, you know, the choices that are from me. These are the pros and cons, benefits, risks, all those things. Um, so that you can navigate your way. And then by asking some of those questions and feeling those things out, you don't, you do want to build a trusting relationship with your care provider. Yeah. But it should, it should never be blind trusts where I just assume that hundred percent of what they're going to do is going to be in alignment with what my preferences are and what our, my needs are. You, you can't just, you just in the system, you just can't because yeah. too much of it is just assembly line care. Um, and so it's, you have to be proactive. I guess that's kind of my, that's my, my view. You have to be proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just show up and expect, Oh, they're just going to tell me what to do. And it's all going to go according to what I want. They'll tell you what to do. You show up, they'll say like, yep, you go do this. You do this. Now we do that. We're going to do this to you now. And we're going to do that to you now. And, but it's not going to line up necessarily with what your desire was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Well, can you give me any stories? What would be, what would be a high point for you in your career? Oh gosh. Um, um, that's a, that's a hard, hard one to pick. (laughs) You know, some of, some of the births that have been, you know, high points for me, you know, were not necessarily, I mean, certainly the, the, the wonderful, beautiful, easy, spontaneous labors that go very quickly. And the mom, you know, has this glorious birth, um, you know, I've had, I've had ones, certainly had ones where they went so fast that I thought I was going to be the one catching. And I've, I've, I've told the story, my only time I've ever caught a baby, it, I was not a doula in that moment. <laughs> I was, it was, I was my, my best friend's home birth, you know, one of her yeah. home births and, and just the midwife wasn't there yet, but the baby was, you know? <laughs> <laughs> somebody's got to catch it. So that's just kind of how that, that in a nutshell happened, which was a pretty amazing moment, but it it was like, okay, check. I've caught a baby. (laughs) Great. Done. Done. That's I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I should say like, I am no longer an aspiring midwife. I I made the choice Mm -hmm. back in the late nineties. I made that choice to say, no, this is not where I go. You know, this is not my, where I belong. So I'm not trying to be the baby catcher. Mm -hmm. So lots of great moments where, you know, things are just happening and, you know, mom is saying, I can't do this anymore. And then all next thing you know, you know, she's, she's pushing and baby is coming and, you know, can't get everybody in there fast enough. And it's just the shock of like, oh my God, I did that. You know, those, those glorious moments or um, there's one that, story I think of of a first time mom birthing in a uh, freestanding birth center and she you know had been in in labor for quite a while and she was in the tub and things were getting intense and she was kind of getting to her wits end where if I think she was saying she was like I don't know if I can do this anymore I might need to go to the hospital and get an epidural I'm kind of like you know at my limit and you know getting somebody in there to confirm check on what's going on yeah yeah, your baby's right there let's push this baby out and Um, you know, those, those are just glorious moments to see, like you did this or, or, or a VBAC, you know, a mom who's had a previous cesarean and she gets to have, you know, those, um, you know, getting to overcome that doubt that her body is able and push her baby out under her own power and stuff. And, you know, so many of those and, um, you know, and then, and then sometimes it's something less directly about the labor itself, but when, you know, helping somebody who's had trauma and, you know, is afraid and, you know, supporting them the best way I can think of and not necessarily feel like I'm doing that awesome of a job doing it, but then to get through it all. And, you know, that might mean, uh, 
labor with an epidural from early on, you know, and or that kind of thing. And to hear the stories of after like, I did that and that was amazing. And I feel differently about my body now. Yeah. And, you know, like those kind of things are so, so awesome. Um, and, you know, and then there's, you know, there's plenty of, plenty of lows, you know, there's a lot of hard, yeah, hard spaces <laughs> to get through. And, um, you know, just like feeling powerless in, you know, whether it's against the, the healthcare system or just that we don't control labor and sometimes just things don't, you know, work out the way we desire them to even no matter how hard we try. And, you know, for me, that's certainly always a challenge because, you know, learning all the things you're like, okay, we're going to make this work. We're going to figure this out and this is going to go well. We're going to do all the things and it's going to, you know, it's going to happen. And then sometimes it just, it just doesn't. And yeah, that's tough. That's hard. You yeah. know, it's just, it's out I, of hands. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and, you know, so kind of w working through the complexities of all the things and it's, it's, and I think some, a lot of people who think about like, oh, and I want to become a doula or a midwife or labor delivery nurse, even whatever. They think, oh, you get to, you get to hold babies and, you know, you watch with, I hardly ever get to hold babies. I was at a postpartum visit last week and my client, you know, offered me, you want to hold the baby? I'm like, yeah, you know, like, cause and she, you probably, this is, you probably get to do this all the time. You probably love this. I'm like, no, I hardly ever get to hold babies. <laughs> I hold mamas, you know, but yeah. I don't really get to hold babies. Um, and because immediately after the birth, I'm like, I'm certainly not trying to say like, oh, let me hold the baby for a little bit. But no, that's like bonding time. Yeah. And and then my follow-ups, usually when we're doing our follow-up visits, either they're breastfeeding baby or babies just settle down to sleep. And unless they offer, you know, I'm not going to be like, can I hold your baby? Because it's it's a perk, but it's not why I'm there. Yeah. You know? And so, um, I, I love to get to meet the babies and everything. And that's, that's always fun, but it's just kind of the, it's like the punctuation mark at the end of the, you know, the paragraph. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you would say that maybe we didn't touch on or that you want to go more in depth on that you would have advice for, for new moms? Um, that's a good question. I think, you know, one part of it is, you know, everyone wants to tell their story mm -hmm. and a lot of times the story is the, you know, the difficult story. And sometimes the difficult story is, is 100% true. And sometimes a difficult story is only partially true and those kind of things. Yeah. Um, seek out a bit of both as yeah. you're learning um, to get kind of a balance of, of the picture of things. Uh, I read really great advice that I passed on, um, you know, not long ago of the thing of like, when you're looking at like birth videos or whatever, don't just look at the ones that are all polished and finished with music over, you know, overlay and things like that, where you're not seeing, you know, you're, you're seeing still shots or scenes, but without hearing what's going on. Yeah. Get to watch some of the ones where you're hearing the, the woman, you know, working through those contractions and she might be moaning and breathing and, and there also might be exchanges of just, you know, the, the encouragement and stuff from her team and, um, and being noisy and working loudly through birth is, it's a good thing to hear. Yeah. And, you know, there's a certain, there's a certain sound to it. There's a certain <laughs> sound to labor. It's just, and it's not the, it's not the TV and movies, you know, person losing their mind, screaming, having a panic attack. Yeah. You know, that's what we, that's what media gives us, you know, the media gives us, um, her water broke. She had one contraction. She went to the hospital and within the hour she is losing her mind and, and, and pushing her baby out. 
And that's just not the way it typically happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so expose, expose the things. And I'm thankful that now we have resources like podcasts mm-hmm. like yours and there's, you know, many out there with telling birth stories and um, YouTube videos and things where we can get exposed to those things um, and get beyond the, you know, weird presentation that Hollywood has given us. Yeah. Um, Cause it's so, it's so vastly lacking and just either misses the mark entirely or sort of picks up on the storyline of what kind of does go into birth, but doesn't really get it and makes a mockery of it. Oh. You know, um, it doesn't get like the beauty of the complexity of it and the work of it and the messiness of it. Like it's glorious, you know, like, I, I mean, to see the, you know, birth, we're kind of weird, you know? So like, the I, I have what so like uh, what you talk about you asked about stories earlier so like one of those th- this isn't like necessarily a birth specific it'll be like hilarious fun moments of like walking the halls in a birth center with a client while she's in labor and you know you know have you know having her you know going up and down stairs and doing different things and stuff and like so, you know, no, I, I have this okay so here's one of those things and it's not 100% I have this weird knack for a lot of times knowing right before a woman's water is going to break. I don't know why, but I just do (laughs) not always, but often. (laughs) And this time I knew, I just knew she was close to it. And so I was like, Hey, so on that, this next contraction, this next wave, why don't you, you know, there's like a handrail, you know, by where she was standing. Like, why don't you hold on? Why don't you go down? You like kind of like go down to a squat on this next one, you know, to work through it. And and I'm standing like 10 feet away from her. (laughs) She goes down (laughs) and I contract her and it's like pops (laughs) (laughs) all over the floor. And it was, it was glorious. You know, it's like, and I, her midwife was down the hall. It's like water broke. She's just like, no, I heard. (laughs) And those, those moments are just so like, so delightful, you know, of watching this process unfold the way it's supposed to. And, um, you know, those kind of things. And, um, that just, that just tickle me, you know, to, (laughs) to get to to see. And, um, or the, another one that's kind of fun is, um, the dads who, you know, the husbands who are your partners who are like, Oh, I don't, I want to stay by the head of the, you know the bed. I don't want to. I don't want to see any of that stuff. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> They're all like, oh, you know. And then you know, mom's pushing, you know, and and baby's getting closer to crowding, and we're saying we can see some of baby's head. We can yeah. see some of your baby's head. And then they're like, what? And they let they look down, you know, <laughs> like the curiosity just gets the better of them, <sighs> and they can't help but look, and they see. <gasps> oh my God, baby's right there. Like, that's my baby. Like that's, that's our baby right there. And, and all the things they thought they were going to be grossed out and weirded out by all of a sudden they're caught up in the mystery of it. And yeah, just the awe of like, wow, that's, that's really happening. And <laughs> that, I, I just, I love it. And seeing just the, the surprise, you know, um, at, yeah, at watching that unfold and, it's so cool. <laughs> I'm almost jealous of that experience because, you know, at, as a birthing mom, you really don't get that option. And yeah. unless you're wanting yeah. a mirror, like you right. don't get to be the one who you sees your see baby that. in their first presentation. And that's such a yeah. I, I do love when when we get to, depending on just depends on how things are unfolding, when baby's getting too close to crowning. And so, you know, mama's pushed baby down enough where a little bit of their top of their head is staying visible between, between the waves, between contractions. And to say, Hey, you know, if you want to, you can reach down and touch the top of your baby's head. And some moms are just like, Hey, you know, gross. I don't <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> but others say they, they, they're like, they reach down. They're like, this you see this oh. look of shock on their face because like that's not my body that yeah. I'm touching like that's my baby's head and and you see just this wow yeah. you know kind of surprise come over them like 
and and my baby's right there. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 super cool. Oh, I had one client years ago who did that. You know, reach out, you can touch the top of your baby's head, and she did that, and she kept her hand right, you know, fingers around the top of her baby's head, and the next contraction, she like, and she like, otherwise, I think probably had a few contractions left to go. Yeah. Otherwise, but that that making contact with her baby that way, so just so directly, she in the next contraction pushed her baby out into her hand. Like it just gave her this focus where she was just like barreled baby out. It was just, it was the most amazing thing. And I've only ever seen that happen one time and it, you know, with that in that particular way, but it just clicked for her. Yeah. She's like, that's my baby right there. And I'm going to, you know, and, and she, it gave her the focus and she just, next contraction baby she's pushing baby out we're all we're all in awe it was amazing <laughs> she's like it's time i'm ready for this let's go yeah, yeah. okay we're doing this now oh. um so i see some pretty you know pretty amazing things um and that <sighs> making up for it is not quite the word but it it it, it helps to balance you know the, the harder you yeah. know the the 36 to 48 hour induction that ends with a cesarean, you know, and it's just, you know, and, and the, the labors were just all the things that were not desired end up being, you know, in part of the picture, whether truly needed or just because of this is the system and this is how we do things and um, trying all the things and just nothing's clicking and yeah. You know, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> I want to fix it. <laughs> At the end of the day, I, I think it's important to, to say, like, there is no specific way this is supposed to go. There mm-hmm. is no, okay, we're going to run down this list. There is no, I have yeah. educated myself and I have all the care measures in place and I know that it's going to happen exactly the way I want it to. Yeah. It can. Mm-hmm. You can definitely support yourself to to work toward that, but <clears throat> there's almost always going to be something that is out of your oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a lot like, I don't know, I hear a lot of people say that about their wedding days, you know, something yes. is going to go wrong. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of how important that thing is going to be. You know, is it going to be, right. you forgot your toothbrush yeah. or is it going to be the outcome is different than what you wanted? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love that you brought up the wedding day thing because that's, that comparison is something that I think plays well in other aspects of thinking about birth mm-hmm. um for one the doula is like your wedding planner yeah <laughs> the wedding planner is not like making it her wedding mm-hmm. you know or what she wants to do she's there to help you identify you have choices and ways things can be done and help you to like you know let's prepare for yeah the, what you desire this to be and let me help you implement that and so you're not having to think about a lot of those fine details on the day of and that that sort of thing um but i also you know, I like the wedding comparison for other purposes because of, you know, we don't know exactly how things are going to turn out. And that doesn't mean, you know, some people will say, well, oh, well, you don't, don't even bother having a birth plan because it's not going to, you know, it's going to go out the window. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, actually you need to be pre- more prepared yeah. for understanding more of the possibilities so that even if things don't quite go as you, your ideal, mm-hmm. you still have a clue what's going on and you're not like blindsided. Yeah. by what happens so kind of having a plan and having a backup plan sort of approach but with the wedding thing I've often used um that when talking about disappointments mm-hmm. if you know things don't go quite the way you know you desire and unfortunately we have this pat answer that's get, gets gets repeated you know ad nauseum to women of like Healthy mom, healthy baby. That's all that matters. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And no, um, it's not all that matters. Coming out of birth alive is a very, very low bar. Yeah. We can, we can aim higher. Um, 
but even if you know you do come out of the experience feeling like that is not what I wanted, I you know, yes, even potentially feeling, you know, traumatized and stuff, and people are like, "What you have a healthy baby, you know, and you should yeah. be fine about things, and who cares about your birth, and why is this so important to you?" And I like the metaphor of saying, like, "Look, you plan your wedding, mm-hmm. you know." And you want it to be a certain way and have all these different details because you want, this is a very momentous day. It's a momentous occasion and you really want it to be special and no one would fault you for that. Yeah. Right. And so you prepare for your birth and maybe things don't go the way you want. Maybe, you know, your beautiful botanical garden wedding you know, there's a freak storm and you end up having to just like find the nearest gymnasium and get yeah. married there. And you still get married and you still love the person that you married and are happy to be united with them and spending your life with them. But you can also still be disappointed about your wedding. Yeah. And it not going the way that you wanted. And, you know, it, like people wouldn't, if, if you say that to people, if they knew that your, your wedding ceremony and your reception all got like, you know, messed up, mm-hmm. no one would say, well, but you have a husband. Yeah. You're married. I yep. mean, who cares? Like, I mean, some people might, but most people won't say that to you. They'll be yeah. like, yeah, it's really sad that you didn't get to have your, you know, your wedding day. you know, that really sucks, you know, and I'm sure y'all are happy to be married, but I mean, that really sucks. You get, you know, kind of get one shot at that. Yeah. And, and so that's really the way I help, you know, to frame disappointments about the birth experience is like, you can hold that separately and grieve that and be disappointed in that. And it doesn't take away from your love for your baby and your gratitude that you're both, you know, well, you know, coming out of it and that kind of thing. And they really, um, those things can coexist. And I think it's really important. And every time I've shared that with, you know, a a mom who was struggling, they've been like, yes, thank you. You know, like it just makes sense. And it really is. It's just that it's, these are, you know, weddings, birthing babies, you know, there's very few things in our lives that are such markers on our timeline of life mm-hmm. and are so momentous, you know, like they they don't happen frequently and they're very significant. And I think we all can recognize that and should, you know, give that compassion and kindness, yeah. you know, for that. Well, thank you so much for your insight on that. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking time out of your night to to talk to me. Happy to. There's so many things we could talk about. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, well, happy to, to chat and to answer questions and, you know, just give a little perspective I feel like this is kind of encapsulated my standard doula and birth rant (laughs) (laughs) yay all right well thank you Heidi you're welcome great to see you you too have a good night okay Thank you for listening to this episode of the Normal Birth Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or are interested in being on the show, please send me an email to normalbirthpod at gmail.com.